Hey everybody, Joe here. Before we start today's show, I have a special announcement that I would like to make. Um, while I apply my trade as a journalist, I am actually uh, very much a dedicated musician. Every week, in fact, you hear my music during the show. Uh, you're listening to it right now, actually. Uh, and I've been doing this for a really, really long time. Like, longer than some Red Bull 2 players have been alive. But I've never actually released anything. Uh, so, uh, this July, I am changing all of that. Uh, I'm going to put out my first EP. It's called Nebula. Uh, it comes out July 11th. It's a culmination of a week of no sleep leading up to the birth of my second child. Uh, each night, I challenge myself to write and produce a new song with nothing but my acoustic guitar, uh, MIDI keyboard, and a USB microphone from the game Rock Band. It sounds ridiculous, but uh, I think the results are pretty fantastic. Uh, you can actually hear a sneak peek behind this commercial right now. Uh, that, that was the music I was referring to earlier. Uh, but you can get a longer listen by pre-ordering the EP from acousticboomerang.bandcamp.com. Now it's a silly name, and a lot to remember. Uh, the EP is just $4, and every album sold will go entirely into Penelope Grace's college fund. Um, but more than that, buying the album actually gets you access to four additional bonus tracks, turning a six-song EP into a ten-song album, which might be torture for some of you if you don't particularly like the EP, but um, <laughs> that's a bridge we can cross another time. Again, that's Acoustic Boomerang, uh, regular spelling for both those things, uh, .bandcamp.com, and it's called Nebula. It'll be out July 11th. Okay, on with the show. everyone and welcome to another episode of raising bulls we are the only podcast dedicated to the new york red bulls 2 of usl tonight we're going to be breaking down a incredibly disappointing performance against ottawa uh, we've got jordan scarlett uh, who will be joining us for for an interview in the second segment and we're going to preview the game against the current eastern powerhouse charleston battery i don't know why i had to say it that way but i feel like i do Joining me tonight, as always, I say as always every time, but, uh, you know, there's always a mixture of whether or not we have him. We didn't have him last week. Uh, Empire Soccer Zone and RBNY Soccer World's own. NYC Soccer World. Oh, NYC Soccer World. I said it wrong. <laughs> Anthony Merced. Hello, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm doing great this week. Glad to be back. Last week, it was... Uh... Needed some time away from you because you can be exhausting, Joe. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, if I keep getting the name of your site wrong, I wouldn't want to be around me either. That's so, okay. I keep changing it every week, but this is definitely the last time I'm changing it. So w what is this uh, garbage now? I talked about it a little bit last the, week, but I feel like I was I was incorrect. 
No, no, you were correct. I decided, so it, it was RBNY Soccer World. It's become NYC Soccer World mainly because I write about more than just the Red Bulls, and I thought it wasn't fair to kind of just keep it that way. So now it's um, it's NYC Soccer World talking about Red Bulls, NYCFC, the Cosmos, hopefully Kingston Stockade. It depends on uh, whether or not I can watch their games, but uh, that's what we're doing now. And uh, I've noticed, I, I uh, made my way over to your site as you were talking, you can report abuse on the site. Does that mean abuse from you? Can we report you? Wait, you can? Well, it's one of the <laughs> available links. <laughs> report Good to abuse. know. <laughs> is, is, that, is that like, yeah, people can report me abusing their team? I think so. I think so. They, they should, at the very least. Um, because I'm going to abuse Red Bull 2 tonight. Oh, boy. Yeah, look, I mean, this was this was a really frustrating game to be at. Um, I had both of my kids there. They were being a little bit insane in the stands. <laughs> um, but uh, <sighs> Ottawa has been really, really bad this year. They approached the Red Bulls in a very physical style. Uh, they were able to kind of disrupt the flow of the game a lot. Uh, but even with all of that, the Red Bulls did enough to win this game and it's it's super frustrating to see that they give up those two late goals yeah their their mistakes um they they can kind of they can be put into their own little baskets one of them especially the 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 game time goal was evan loro like needs to stop giving up rebounds Mm -hmm. (laughs) He just needs, or if he does, he needs to deflect those balls in a direction that is not toward, like towards the center of the box. Because mm-hmm. um, he really did leave his back line in a bad way. But at the same time, that back line needs to learn how to get rid of the ball in, yeah. in their area. They need yep. to, the distribution is bad, really, really bad out of the back. Abador had, right before that, had a really awful giveaway that should just shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they do way too many, way too much space. I believe it was the second goal, uh, way too much space in, in the middle. It's this defense is just horrendous. And this game was, I mean, this is a 14th place team out of 15 teams in the Eastern conference. Yep. Another team that could barely score a goal. Uh, they had not scored more than two goals in a game yet this season. And, uh, I think that even only happened once, um, and they come into the Red Bulls and they make themselves look like, like world beaters. Honestly, even even giving up the three goals, they they looked the better team. And Red Bulls uh, had uh, the advantage in possession. And I, I, I don't know. This was bad. Um, obviously, one and of the John, big... and, and John Walnick knew it was bad, too. Like after the game mm-hmm. uh, and this team, some be a little brutal here. But like, th- you know, th- this team talks about how this is not really about wins and losses. That's not what John Walnick sounded like after the game. No, I when, when you talked about when you talked about their performances, I mean, it, it's it's like when when they lose, sometimes this team likes to like to say, well, this is about player development, but then tends to be really happy when they win. Right. So like you can't have it both ways. John obviously did not come across like that. No, he, he talked a little bit about player development, but he did not like losing this game and this team cannot lose games to teams that are quote unquote below them quality wise. Yeah. And they've had two losses uh, out of their last three games that were teams that they should not lose to three losses out of those games. They shouldn't lose to LA. Well, LA 
Uh, look, LA Galaxy are one of those teams that have a really, really deep two-team. They don't necessarily always perform, but I can at least forgive that somewhat. Um, kind of, but the one right before it, no. Like, oh, the, yes, it's, this is not, it's not good. Well, let's look at the through lines here because uh, on the day for each of those games, you have teams coming in and and really trying to stick it to the Red Bulls in terms of their physicality. Obviously, you've got a young team with the Red Bulls, um, a lot of academy guys uh, on the pitch, and just younger players, guys who are under 21 in some cases. And you've got these these. Uh, bigger teams coming in and and muscling them around, and it really did it it put them off of their game uh, through throughout the match. Even controlling possession in this last match, they did not look right. Uh, they were able to score uh, goals moving forward. Uh, again, they get a penalty kick, so maybe that inflates the the, the score a little bit. Um, no but, goal, but they didn't. They didn't. They did convert their chances, which was good, but they didn't create a lot of, of chances. Um, and they've given up 22 goals now in their first 10 games. They gave up 21 in all of last season. So that tells you everything it, that you it, need to know. Yeah, it makes you ask the question, why did they release Zach Carroll at the end of last season? Because he's currently still playing on the USL squad, just with Orlando now. Um, why, why, what, what was the, the idea behind that? I mean, at this point, they have a left back pretending to be a center back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have Tim Schmoll, who must be so bad in training that he cannot get onto the field unless it's as a substitute late in a game or because somebody gets injured. Well, so, yeah. like, I'm not sure if it's, wh- if it's what just is going training. on. I think uh, you know maybe last year they said, "All right, Carroll and Schmoll um, are close enough in level that we can let Carroll go," and maybe they thought Schmoll had a higher ceiling. Uh, but his performances this year have been very, very poor. All of the, the games where the scoreline has gotten way out of hand are games that he's been heavily involved in, except for the game against Toronto FC uh, at, at MSU, the opener there. Um, but I, I, you know, here we are again. We got Kevin O'Toole gets injured early in this match, which is a shame because he's been very good on the left side, uh, which forces Billy U out wide. And then, like I, th- I think the wheels kind of came off at that that point once Schmoll and Abador were playing together, because I think either one of those guys needs one of those quick players playing next to them who can kind of uh, track runners and disrupt some of those passes. Uh, Abador and Schmoll are admittedly better, you know, in the air and maybe uh, going one on one with players. Uh, and so the two of them together, it just doesn't work. It's the same problem that they have with Nadam and Schmoll that these guys just do not work well together. And, you know, Jordan Scarlett's getting healthy. We don't really know uh, what he has to offer because we haven't seen enough of him yet, really. Yeah. Uh, We we only saw a little bit of him in preseason. So hopefully, you know, with that, with him returning, and maybe they pick up um, some players during the summer, they can fix this thing. Well, who? I mean, who? That's kind of... That, that's kind of the thing. Yeah, that, 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 that's the, the frustrating thing about that is they had a very good group of players and and they let them go, um, you know, especially and I go back to Zach Carroll. But the other thing about Abador, I think that they thought that they could do with Aaron Long, with Abador, what they did with Aaron Long, which is take a central defensive midfielder and convert him into a center back. Mm-hmm. And he's not as a center back. He's much better as a central defensive midfielder, except they already have Dan Metzger. So, 
Abador kind of feels very out of place on this team right now. He's not necessarily a bad player. Mm-hmm. He just, when he's in the position that he is properly playing in, he's actually very good. Mm-hmm. But he's not there because they have guys like Dan Metzger or, you know, a, a number of other people there in the midfield that can help distribute, help track back, things like that. But when you make him be a center back, he's lost. See, I actually And he's think not he, adapting. I think he's better on the back line than he is in the midfield because he doesn't have the uh, the wheels to close down like those other guys that you mentioned. A center back clears that ball off the line. Maybe, maybe in, that's in, true. In, 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 in the game. You know, like that, that, that he looked like a guy who goes, I guess I got to put my foot out here right now. And, you know, and, and that first goal doesn't happen for Ottawa if, if you have a proper center back back there. And again, I'm not knocking him as, as a player. I'm knocking him as a center back. Yeah. He, he's, he's just not fit for that position. Um, and they're forcing it because they have very few options right now mm-hmm. because at the end of last season, they cut a lot of guys that they probably shouldn't have cut. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's true about the center backs. Uh, they lost Aaron. They didn't cut him. Uh, they did cut Carroll. Uh, but other than Schmoll, who did they have that was playing center back? I'm just going to go back and say Zach Carroll again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the positive, okay, you got Jordan Scott. I'm a complaining New Yorker. Don't I know, interrupt I me. I, I, have to, I have to be the yin to your yang. Um, Good point. You've got Andrew Lombard at some point will be back. I know that he's more of a, uh, a fullback. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm willing to give him a shot back that, there at this right. point. That is somebody who will come back. And Jordan Scarlett, uh, as I mentioned, will be uh, working his way into fitness. Uh, so once the two of them are there, then you have a, a decent crop to choose from. But right now, it's just it's just like the first team. They're they're kind of strapped in terms of uh, who's available for selection. Um, and, and, and it is worth noting that because of the structure that is the USL. Now, the USL is very different from MLS in the sense that since the play, this playoff structure has existed, mm-hmm. where you finish in the standings actually does matter in oh, yeah. how you progress. Like, it is an actual litmus test of how good you are. In MLS, it's not. The Red Bulls can uh, in MLS can continue playing the way that they are and still potentially be MLS Cup contenders. In the USL, where you finish does matter, as we've seen in years past. Absolutely. So if you finish the first seed in the East, that means something. If you finish eighth or sixth or fifth, that is actually where you are talent-wise. Yeah, and you could just look back to last season, how much that really meant to the team. Uh, this year, they've been atrocious on the road. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, finishing finishing in a spot where you're not going to get a single home game is going to be a problem for them. Um, but, uh, again, you know, we can go back to that whole thing about development. Um, it's just, it's, it's going to be a little bit frustrating to watch. Uh, on the, well, let's go to that. If that was if we were putting these as red, yellow, and green subjects, so that's that's the red stuff that's out of the way. Uh, yellow, <laughs> Junior Flemings getting into a fracas in the box. Um, I could not, not see it well from where I was, uh, but uh, when I spoke to him after the game, he said that uh, there was some simulation <laughs> on the part of uh, whoever the Ottawa player is. But that doesn't matter. Don't don't put yourself into a position. Uh, where someone is goading you into a foul. You are an incredibly important part of that team uh, in terms of the offense going forward. Uh, The game was still very manageable at that point. They ended up scoring the goal after all that was said and done on this free kick. Um, 
but you're you're only putting your team in a bad position uh, when something like that happens. Uh, so shame on you, Junior, uh, in that in that moment. He did uh, on the YouTube feed. He did put his hands around, or if not very very close to the neck of that Ottawa player. And yes, maybe he simulated, but the the truth is, you shouldn't even be in that scenario to exactly. begin with. Fully agree. So he's very lucky to get away with just a yellow card. And USL may look at that and say, hey, you're suspended for a game afterwards just because it looked bad. Mm-hmm. And this league is this league is not quite as sensitive as MLS is when it comes to the post suspensions. But he needs to keep an eye on that because there's no reason that he should have been even goaded into that kind of a scenario. Yep. Yep. The, the team shouldn't have been so frustrated at that point that that was something that was happening. Although uh, the physical play of Ottawa uh, was kind of going over uh, the acceptable limit. Uh, the player that he got into that fight with um, had just leveled Bezicourt moments beforehand. Yeah, he did. So, and uh, <laughs> managed to, I don't believe, get a card in the game. Or maybe he did later. Uh, but he was all over the field. There was a lot of like uh, borderline dirty play from Ottawa that went unchecked, and yeah, you know, you got to adapt to the referee. Okay, onto the. But that's also the kind of that's the kind of play you're going to experience in MLS. Not necessarily exactly. to that degree. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of physicality, and so when you react like that, that is you know talking about player development. That's not a good sign when you react like that because in MLS, if you react like that, you're going to get a straight red depending oh, yeah. on some of these referees. Absolutely. So you agree. can't do that at all. I had said that uh, live while I was watching the match that I can't believe that it wasn't a red card. Um, On to the good stuff. Uh, Brandon Allen uh, scores a trademark penalty. Um, what's funny is my, my wife doesn't normally watch these games. Uh, oh, I think I brought this up before. <laughs> but she knows that Bill loves uh, a good Brandon Allen penalty. Uh, so she was excited to see that. Um, and Ben Mines scores his first goal for the team. And honestly looked the best player on the pitch uh, from his inclusion. Second best, aside from Brandon Allen. Uh, well, look, Brandon had two very good moments. That first one, um, well, yeah. So when he, he rounds the keeper, uh, takes him fully out of the net and gets the, the ball over Junior, that was a, a fantastic play. Gorgeous. Obviously, yeah. his penalty, like, you can't hit a better penalty than that one. Um, but he did drift out of the game a little bit. He had a moment <laughs> where he got cleaned out by the keeper. He got to the ball first, uh, but somehow it was a foul on him. Uh, when, yeah. you know, uh, two weeks ago, it was a penalty against the keeper. <laughs> he got fouled for weighing more than the goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Uh, look, it's a 50-50 challenge. I just don't think that that was a foul on Brandon, no. uh, which is insane. Um, okay, let's talk about man of the match. I think it was Brandon Allen. I thought that not just the fact that he had a goal and an assist, but anytime the offense is moving forward, Mm-hmm. He seemed to be very much involved in it. The, the guy's MLS ready to me. Like he, watching him play in the short amount of time since he since he's come back to the team, he just looks like he's ready. And I know that there's not necessarily a spot for him uh, on that first team, but they got to figure it out because this guy is just too good for the USL. Um, I'm not sure if I'm all the way there yet, but I, I'm starting to be inclined to agree that he's getting closer for sure uh i'm gonna give it to ben mines because i i think that in terms of the red bulls movement going forward and just having an outlet of a guy who's gonna work his tail off and 
uh, can be so clinical around the net. Uh, I, I got to give it to Ben. It, it was a pretty. According to game. Christian Dyer, he can drive himself to the game now. Ooh, <laughs> congrats, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Jordan Scarlett. Stick around. And we're back now, joined by uh, New York Red Bulls rookie center back, Jordan Scarlett. Jordan, thanks for uh, joining the show tonight. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, so, a big week for you. You just graduated. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. You, I believe you got a degree in marketing from Iona? Yes, that's correct. So, what led, to, what led you down that path? Um... It was just um, like my friends, they were having um, a struggle like choosing what career path they want to take. And I was having a struggle too. So I just talked to my um, my student advisor and she just put me in a bunch of different classes and tell me to feel out what I like. And I fell in love with marketing. You know, it was exciting, just the concepts and all that. I just fell in love with it. And the idea behind like, just getting people to buy your product and stuff like that. The strategies, I I think that's amazing. So Jordan, you grew up in the Bronx, um, or at least that's where you know the hometown you're from. And uh, Iona College has a kind of a special place for people in the Bronx. It's one of those places that we all hear about and we all go to. Is that is that um. Is that a college you always had your eyes on? Was it uh, was it for the academics? Was it the the sports for it? Was it what is it that drew you to Iona? Um, honestly, Iona was just um, I would say an act. I wouldn't uh, I would say an accident, I guess, because <laughs> I wasn't recruited or anything. I was I didn't know of like any schools. My coach wasn't like on me to say hey. Um, put this highlight tape out, reach out to that coach. It was just, just played soccer. And I knew that I would have obviously needed a good, um, like GPA to get into a school, especially a division one. So then the closest one was Iona. And then I did a little research and turns out they have pretty good soccer players, like players like Ignacio Maganto went to the galaxy, like was attending. I was like, Oh wow. Let me, let me get a tryout. I asked the coach and stuff. And then, the rest of his history. You scored a goal there against Fairfield that I believe was featured on ESPN at one point. Uh, kind of a crazy <laughs> shot from deep. The The goalkeeper uh, did not see it, I guess, coming down <laughs> properly. Uh, what was that like for you? Um, I think that was when I got into the team, I was like working for my spot. Oh, like my head was down, just going hard each game, each, each practice. But I think that goal, like, kind of solidified my spot because um, Fearfield was a big rival. We were down 1-0, and then it just happened. And I just that raised my confidence throughout the rest of my career there. So the, um, so the New York Red Bulls have been known for a very long time to be one of those uh, teams that really recruited from the New York and New Jersey area. 
did you always kind of have your eye on them? And did you think that that's a place that you wanted to play for? Or uh, what team did you always think that you would end up with? Um, for the last two, the past two summers, I, I was with Redding United and I was with um, Leah Valley in Philadelphia. So, and I practiced with the Philadelphia Union first and second team a few times. But so I thought that um, maybe the Union, but I've always liked the Red Bulls. I've always because in 2014, I used to like travel like what eight hours a day back and forth from the Bronx take the train over just to practice with the U23s and stuff. Um, but then I move on to writing. But I've always wanted to play here. And it's funny because um, I think I went to my, my first pro game was I saw the Red Bulls play the, the, the Earthquakes. Uh, they won 2-0 that day. And I took a picture and I said, one day I would play in the stadium. So kind of looking forward <laughs> to that because for that dream to come through. <laughs> that game, uh, goals from Dane Richards and Thierry Henry. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember yeah, that game. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so you were invited to a, a collegiate combine. Uh, there really wasn't much press around that at all. Uh, nor do I know anyone that had real insight into what was going on there. Uh, but what was that experience like for you? How did the Red Bulls run that? Um, it was, this, the 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 head scout um, Rob Elliott. Um, from there was this one game I played against Red Bulls uh, in PDL for, when I was playing for Redden, and I think that was one of my best games um, I had throughout my career. And he liked me from then, he invited me, and it was just very professional. You know, all the coaches were there except Coach Jesse because he had um, uh, he had a conference I think in LA, so he couldn't make it. But everybody else was there. They were all kind, like. They, they invited the top players that I knew uh, that I knew throughout the college game, and they they kept it professional. Like it was just a wonderful experience. And then when he invited me, I was like, uh, maybe I do have a shot here. So let me perform, but let me try to outperform my contenders here today. So it was a very good experience. So, Jordan, talk to us a little bit about the Super Draft experience. It's so different from a lot of other American draft uh, sports experiences. What was that like, and uh, what what kind of pressure did you feel um, while waiting for a team to potentially draft you? Um, <clears throat> at first, it was huh, I I was when I I was kind of hoping to make the 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 official combine. And um, what was it? That's it. Right. L.A. was in L.A. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't. I didn't make that. So I was. I was kind of like sad, but at the same time I had hope because then I learned that they have extension draft, and um, I was just sitting on Tuesday it was my first day of. It was the first day of class, in the January seventeenth, and I went to class and I was hoping that my coach gave me some good news or that um, I get a text or something. And then it happened. Um, my coach told me, he was like, congratulations, you went to the New York Red Bulls. And I was, I was so psyched, you know, it was like a dream come true for me, to be honest. That's definitely got to be a weird thing to <laughs> not really know until someone else <laughs> tells you. Um, so yeah. 
you went out to Phoenix with the team. Uh, you played a little bit in preseason. You picked up an injury. Uh, that's got to be a little bit difficult, I think, uh, coming into a team and then having to miss so much time. Uh, what have you done uh, since then to, to maybe stay active uh, with maybe the players just to keep yourself familiar? Um, the players, the players here, they're all friendly, so it wasn't that it was not that hard to be to like to keep on like keep gelling as a teammate just to be there. But um, in terms of the the injury and stuff, I would kind of look at it as a positive for me. Because going in from college straight into the New York Rebel system, we play a complete different system from any other team I've ever played on or even watched on TV. So it was kind of kind of tough to understand it. But since the injury, I step away. I watch tapes. I watch how the players move. The center backs, Aaron Long, Damian, Colin, and it's like now that I'm back, like I have a stronger understanding of the game, and it's. I could see my performance getting getting back to where I really want it to be. Uh, you spoke a little bit about the difference between um, the college team and the Red Bulls. What's the difference that you've had uh, just between coaching, um, between the college level, and then uh, being coached by either Marsha or John Walnick? Um, details. That's just what I, just details. Just, um, in, like in the college level, I, I, I could have gotten away with like maybe slacking a little bit, like doing a simple play. But here, if you take your foot off the pedal, you're going to hear it from the sideline. You know what I mean? Um, and the, everything is measured. They, they, they're like perfectionists. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, slide there, maybe five yards, one yard, even one yard. They, they, they're so intricate about the details. Like, make sure you even one yard closer, make everything better. And like those things I never like real life from college because compared to here, college is kind of laid back, you know, but here's like the details you have to, every time, every day you come to practice, you have to be on. And I think that just making a transition at first for the first few months was kind of like difficult, but now that I'm kind of getting used to it, I think um, I'm, I'm going to get it down maybe in the next, I'm going to get it solidly like down maybe in the next couple of weeks to come. Now the last year's team, they were, I think renowned uh, for how well they had defended and how few goals they were able to give up. Uh, this year's team has already eclipsed the the amount of goals that they've given up uh, from all of last season. Uh, as a center back and knowing that there's some defensive struggles, is that a bit of a motivating factor? Knowing that uh, there's you know been some turmoil among the back line. Um. I want to say it's a, it's definitely a motivating factor to to the center back to get in and um, try to try my best to maybe get clean sheets on the day each each game game in game out. But this thing it's a just needs more for team effort. You know, I think um, we need to like to maintain our standards. Like, like we are Red Bulls, we have to play like Red Bulls each game each game out. When teams come into the house or whether we go away. Um, Teams, they're playing against rebels. They're gonna want to show rebels that listen, I'm better than you guys, or I deserve to be for Red Bulls, not you. So it's just team effort. I think um, John has been covering, talking about that through our practice, and I think in practice lately, um, since this week, Monday, Tuesday, um, everybody's been on um, a good performance. So 
I think leading up to the next few games, I think as a team, we will all come together and put a better performance on. So um, we know we have goal scorers, so like we just need to get tighter defensively and, and work from there. All right, Jordan, uh, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, great, Rand. Thank you so much for having me. And when we come back, we're going to preview the game against Charleston. Stick around. And we are back for our final segment. We're going to be previewing the game against Charleston Battery. This one has the makings of a beatdown. Charleston has been pretty terrific all season. Uh, Multiple goals from all of their attacking players, Romario Williams. I'm definitely not going to say Guerrero's first name because I'm going to screw it up. Uh, Forrest Lasso, Michael Chang, Justin Portillo. They are on a different level right now in terms of MLS. They're, they're very much looking like how the Red Bulls looked last year. Um, they are tied for the most goals scored in the East, uh, tied with New York, ironically. Uh, they're, but their goal differential is plus 10. Uh, most recently, they... Uh, oh, sorry. Their only loss of the season uh, came to Pittsburgh, which is sort of a weird fact. It just goes to show you that, you know, we, you know, we're railing on the Red Bulls for losing to the, some of these lower teams, but uh, any given weekend. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. Pittsburgh is good this year. Yeah, they're better this year, but they're not. I'm not sure if I'm ready to say they're good. Uh, but Charleston is fantastic. They are 6 1 and 2. They're way ahead of the Red Bulls, and they've played uh, fewer games. <laughs> what is this yep. going to look like? How, how bad are uh, Red Bull in trouble right now? How They're in a lot of trouble because this, this team can score goals. This team is organized. Um, they've always actually been organized, uh, but they, they're, they're what I like to call a um, USL original. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're a team that has a little more age to them, a little more veteranship. So they know how to control games a bit easier. So this is not necessarily the kind of game... Look, if they can win, it's a great game to get back on track, but more than likely, this is the kind of game that you do expect them to get spanked in. Now, obviously, <laughs> I've, I've probably said this phrase like six times tonight. Jordan Scarlett is coming, is getting ready and coming back. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready to be in, in the lineup, in the back line, but who's going to be back there? Are we going to see them revert to Nadam and Bilyeu, who probably been uh, the most consistent uh, center-back pairing that we've seen. Uh, but with Kevin O'Toole out, that leaves kind of a big hole on that left side. Uh, <laughs> and then it it's got to be. It's, it it's, it's got to be Nadam and Bilyeu. So who's going to play? It absolutely has to be. Then you're going to see probably Najem on the left side and Tenari. Uh, sure. Right. I mean... The, the the wings are not what I'm worried about. It, it it's that center back those center back roles and at the current moment, Bilyeu and Nadam are your best options. Unless there's a call down, unless there's a player signing, that's who you got to go with. Um, and uh, Derek Etienne's current status, I'm not sure if he's with the first or the second team uh, for the coming weekend. Um, but if he's available, is he someone that you insert into this lineup, or do you keep going with uh, Zico and Flemings, who I thought 
played pretty well together uh, this past weekend. I think yes to Zico um, for although, Junior Flemings. If if Derek Etienne's ready, you play him. Although I will say Zico came off the field uh, early because of injury, so we're not really sure what his status is yet, uh, whether or not he's available. Um, but then if he's not Etienne? Oh, absolutely. Etienne, if, if he's ready to play any game, whether it's – I'm – Totally high on him. Um, if if uh, if he's ready to play MLS or USL, I play Derek Etienne. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if he's available to play, you play that guy. And if Lewis is available, both of those guys on the wing make this team incredibly dangerous. Yeah, it's far more dynamic. Um, that kind of leaves Junior Flemings in sort of limbo. Well, I mean, he's got to. Is he doing, he, is he doing he enough to, to assert himself? Uh, this year, because he—I mean—he's on what three goals? Uh, I'm not sure how many assists so far. I can—I can look that up as I talk. Uh, the, the goals and assists are not the issue. The—the the issue is he's not looking as dynamic. He's not looking as dynamic on the wing as he did last year. And I know that part of that has to do with recovering from the injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zico Lewis is doing a lot of the things that we saw Junior Plumbing's do in 2016, which is why I'm saying play the hot hand. Um, Junior Flemings really does need to kind of get back into that groove. He had a great goal, yes, but Brandon Allen kind of put that on the plate for him. So it's it's a bit of a tough scenario for him in the sense that he's got to once again figure out his his place on this team. Uh, and then, of course, you have Florian Velo too, who's in a similar situation. He's kind of he can play a forward role. He 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 can be right next to Brandon Allen if they want to like well, simulate the, the two, four right. one three two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's 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 pull on that thread a little bit. If you're doing four one three two, uh, who's the odd man out uh, in terms of the midfielders? Is it Aaron Basulovich or Dan Metzger? I say it's Metzger. Um, I think Metzger should be in the first team. But anyway, I I think it's Basulovich, uh, the the back midfielder. And then Bezicord, um in that "quote unquote" Sasha Klashin role. Is he is Basulovich good enough defensively to play that role? That's a good question. Um, that's a very good question. Uh, it would be have the kind of scenario that we'd have to find out. Yeah. But I think that he provides the connection better from the uh, the back of the field to the offense yeah. than Metzger does. Met- yeah, Metzger is yeah. a far better defensive player. But uh, Basulovich uh, will connect you from the backfield to the offense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and then uh, those three, you've got um, Lewis and Flemings on the wings. I'm assuming, or are you talking about Flemings up top? No, I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking Flemings. Not at all. I'm talking oh. uh, Lewis and and, and Etienne and and Velo and Velo and um, Allen up top with Bezicourt just behind them. Yes, that's a pretty solid lineup. I would like to see that. I'm I'm not sure about <laughs> uh, Basulovic as that lone uh, presence because yes, attacking I think they would be okay, but I, I think that that team would be in a lot of trouble in terms of defense because you got you need your wings to then be able to help out a little bit in those scenarios. And when we watched the first team play that way. Question drop back into like the almost the 4 2 2, the deep lying uh, midfielder role a lot of that game against Toronto. 
and then you're saying essentially Bezicourt would have to be that other guy, and that I'm not sure if that's a great scenario. Yeah, I mean it's one of those scenarios that we have to see. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the four one three two is something very new, and again, this also raises the question of is the two team going to play exactly like the first team when everything is going great and everybody's winning It's very easy to say, Hey, the first team is going to play like the second team. Are you going to keep a formation exactly the same down the tier? Um, but the first team isn't necessarily playing well under that initial formation. So now what you're at is you're worrying about the first team, but what happens with the secondary team? Because it's, it's changing. Yeah. The, the formation is changing up top. So what happens to this development team? It's supposed everything's supposed to trickle down. Mm-hmm. And if the first team is going to play the four one three two, doesn't the second team? Yeah, and but I also think that uh, one of the things that maybe wasn't successful with that formation with the one team was the willingness to pull the trigger and take those chances around the box. But the one, but the forty five minutes that they did play that with, not to get too much into the MLS game. That forty-five minutes they did play that with, they were ahead one nothing. That's true. And they looked Absolutely and they looked true. far better and they looked far better defensively than they did in the second half when they reverted and took out Gil Branson. Right. But the point that I'm trying to make is not that that's not a successful formation, but that the struggles that that had with the one team, the two team would not have in the offensive side of the ball because they they have never really shown that uh, tentative nature around the box. Maybe maybe in the LA game a little bit. Um, but you know, but that also has to do that they that they converted a home game into a road game. Oh boy, we're getting on this again. I'm gonna steer us away from this. I'm just saying, <laughs> when you it, it's not a it's it's not a home game if you're not playing in the place that you normally play. I suppose that's true. Okay, let's let's get down to a prediction here. What what do you got? I'm I'm saying this is three one Charleston. That's a, I mean I think that's about right. I think three one. Maybe 3-2. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'll say 3-2. But this is going to be a fourth loss in a row. There's going to be a lot of hand-wringing. It's going to get ugly. I still think this is a playoff team, though, with that said. I I still think the Red Bull 2 is a playoff team. But they're they're going to have their four straight loss, and they're going to have to do a lot of Mm soul-searching, and they're going to have to find the players that get that together. And despite them talking about this being purely a development team, they are going to find that. They are going to look for those guys that get them wins because wins equal development mm-hmm. and equal guys with confidence. And they're going to want that this season. And John Walnick's going to get that pretty much is, is what I feel. I feel like John Walnick is a good enough coach that he knows how to get that out of guys and he will push to make that happen. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's also good for them to let these guys kind of um, try to pull themselves out of it too. Uh, that that's not the worst idea but they do need some help it's it's just in terms of having available bodies they don't have a ton of uh people on the back line right now healthy bodies uh, to fill in rafa diaz is back do you think uh we're gonna see him maybe take over the starting spot if i were if i were john i would i I would put rafa diaz in i I think that evan laurel's been good in certain areas but he leaves too much to his defense Mm-hmm. which Rafa Diaz is far more um, close and concise with his saves. Evan Lowe is a good goalkeeper, and I think that he definitely has the potential to be an MLS goalkeeper, but right now he, he has areas that he definitely needs to work on that require him to sit on the bench and watch a guy like Rafa Diaz who doesn't give up those kinds of chances. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, okay, uh, we've come to the end of the show. Uh, our intro and outro are far shorter now. Um, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at underscore Joe Goldstein. And I am at AttitudeAJM and NYCFCSoccerWorld.com. <laughs> Do you have a Twitter handle for that or no? No, I don't. And I'm not going to because come and annoy me on an attitude AJM. All right. I like that. Um, Bill, uh, Bill is not here, but I'm still going to promote him. He is Bill T and J. And if you want to follow the show and I hope you do, we are at raising bull. That's one bull cast C A S T raising bull cast. And of course, like I said, that's all on Twitter. You can listen to the show on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google play. Um, you can come down to our website, RaisingBulls.com. You can uh, follow us on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash RaisingBulls. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's it. Um, please, please, please find us, rate us, review us, uh, subscribe. It really does mean the world to us. Uh, for myself and Anthony Merced, and I'll even include the guests now. Mark does that all the time, and I always think it's a good idea, but then I forget when I get here. And Jordan Scarlett. Uh, thank you, and have a good night. Was I supposed to clap right there? Oh man, I forgot about that. Anyway. <laughs>